0: Well, good morning again. Uh, Today, uh, what I'd like to use this time for is to share with you uh, about my trip to Rwanda and what I experienced there with our new sister parish relationship in Matego. In the process of doing so, I don't simply want to tell you about what happened. I'd also like to talk about what's going to happen. Cast some vision for us about what this Matego partnership should look like going forward. Before we do that, let's open with prayer. Jesus, thank you for the way in which you have knit together people from around the world under one blood, namely yours. Lord, what we're doing and attempt to doing in this partnership is to live into the communion of saints in some small way. Lord, we know that gives you glory because you are the God of all. We pray, God, you might do good for us, for the people in Matego Parish, and namely that you might give yourself glory through this. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father Bob and I spent four days in Kagemi Diocese and with Matego Parish, and this was a phenomenal gift. I, I, there aren't many ways that I can imagine that the trip could have gone better, but even just the four days, getting to spend four days there, was, was notable. In 2009, which was the last time that I was in Rwanda, the pandemic disrupted our our other plans, I only was able to spend one day in Taba Parish. And there are reasons for that, uh, particularly how difficult it is to get to Taba Parish, but that made me so thankful to get to spend many days, multiple days in in Matego Parish. And yet at the same time, I I recognize that uh, three or four days is not all that much time, especially when you consider that I was gone for for two weeks. Um, This trip was a bit different and it, it tells us why that is. As I've already shared, I shared with the congregation uh, in, a, in a written form, since I was sick last Sunday and couldn't give my pastoral update about it, to shared about Gafcon, which was uh, held in the capital city of Kigali. I was there in Kigali for five days with 1,300 uh, other Anglican leaders from around the world. And, um, and that's when I timed my, uh, That's why I timed this trip uh, when, I, when I did, so I could attend Gafcon and then spend a few days there in Kigami Diocese. Additionally, as those who have traveled to Rwanda before or, you know, other places in the world, it takes several days to get there. Um, if you do it all at once, it is literally 24 hours of plane flights, and that doesn't include the, the layovers and uh, the time you spend preparing and the time you spend uh, trying to recover. Um, all in all, our future trips to, to Rwanda are going to, to have greater, uh, a greater duration of time there in Kigemi Diocese, and so I'm I'm grateful to see how that's, uh, excited to see how that's going to develop in in the months and years to come, but all in all, more days to be spent in Matego. Of the four uh, four days that we were in Kigemi Diocese as a whole, three of them we spent with the people of Matego Parish, and that's really what I want to use this time to share with you about. Uh, Before I do that, I want to just point out, there, there was a handout, I don't think I got it out onto the chairs, but some of you might have it. If you don't have that handout, you can find it on the welcome table on your way out, um, but it does share a couple of important things about Matego Parish and our partnership there. I'd love for you to put that on your fridge or in your Bible or put it somewhere, let your kids hang it on their wall, somewhere where it's going to be a, a visual reminder uh, of what's been said today and what we will uh, be entering into in the future. In addition to that handout, I thought it might be helpful to just give you a, a sense of where Matego Parish is in the country. So go ahead, Jonathan, put up that slide of the map there. The country of Rwanda there is in yellow, and there in the southern part you'll see Matego Parish It is um, pretty close in proximity to the Diocesan headquarters, Uh, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. That's a really positive thing. In addition to that, uh, I I thought it might be interesting to show you a 3D uh, satellite view of Matego Parish. Uh, That yellow pin there is the church building. But What you'll notice, if you can't notice anything else, is just how hilly it is. And that parish, Matego Parish, sits atop a, a, a hill, has nearly a 360 degree view of the surrounding hills. They call Rwanda the land of a thousand hills, which is a great name, but it's also more like the land of 10,000 hills. <laughs> and um, you can actually see from that hilltop uh, the diocesan center. And, uh, and that's about 30 minutes away. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, put up the next couple of slides there. This is uh, about the last 10, 10 uh, seconds of the drive up to Matego. You'll see uh, there the church there. And, uh, some goats, and that's the kind of the view right to the left of the church building. Uh, we're ready to start talk about those three days there in, in, in Matego. We spent Saturday, Sunday, and Monday there. So on Saturday, Father Bob and I uh, drove up there with Bishop Basiel and with our driver, Prosper, and with an interpreter. And um, uh, on this particular day in Rwanda, once a month, there is a, a nationwide community work day. And that's something that the government has implemented as a way of bringing development to the country, but also bringing people together. And it's called Umuganda. And uh, so on this particular day, about 150 people from Matego Parish, there are 1,000 members in the parish, about 150 of them came out uh, for Umuganda there on the, the church property. And uh, what we learned as we pulled up was that they were, they were working on the foundation of their building. But before I tell you about that, let me just give you a video of the welcome we received when we pulled up. That went on for some time. And, and, and let me tell you, it's hard to take a video when you're bouncing, um, but I tried, to, I tried to stay still and then bounce after the video. So that was uh, just a wonderful welcome. They all stopped their work and had so much joy to see us, as did Bob and I, for sure. Um, bishop Ossiel and, uh, and Jean Austin from the diocese and our, our driver, Morard were with Bob and I, and we just kind of entered into the work with the people, um, all of us, including the bishop, who dressed down. I'd never seen him dressed down, jeans and these kind of rubber, rubber rain boots. He, he knew what he was doing because it was going to get muddy. Um, what we found them doing was beginning to build a new church building. Their current church building um, does not seat enough people. It seats about 500. Um, And their version of like how many people a building can seat uh, is different than ours. We like our comfort. Uh, They are used to discomfort. And so they, uh, they pack in. So they could fit 500 in here and and we, you know, we squeeze 150, right? So they need a larger building, really, to fit the 1,000 people who are members. So they're building a, a new building that's about twice as big, maybe a little more. It includes an office for the pastor as well as uh, a sacristy and a storage area. So it's a much better, uh, better size for their needs. Um, but they're building that new building around the, the existing old building. And so what we learned was as soon as that structure is finished, they're going to remove the old church building from inside of the church. They're going to take it apart from inside the building. Imagine a building inside of this building that we dismantle and then remove out the back door, right? Um, That's different, a different thing, but it it rains there a lot, and they need to have a place to worship even while their building is being built. And um, as I'll share in just a moment, this building may take a very long time because they only build when they have the resources, the money, to take the next step. Now, um, what, what we found the people doing... And you can go ahead and, and go to the next slide there, Jonathan. We found the people doing two things, carrying bricks and laying bricks on the foundation, bricks that they had made, 80,000 of them, and um, also about 100 people with hoes um, grading the land, about three feet of earth, grading it away from the new uh, church building. Can you imagine doing this? And Bob and I got a taste of what that was like. I'll show you in just a moment. Let's just say it's, it's quite difficult work. Now, in the course of, of watching them do this and participating uh, a little bit and uh, helping them carry bricks and do some hoeing, what we learned um, was that back in February, Living Faith sent $2,000 to Matego Parish. Now, we, we had not inaugurated our, our, our relationship with them at Christmas time, but every Christmas we send a love offering to Rwanda. It's been Taba Parish for the last 16 years and this year was going to be uh, Matego. but we debated about whether or not to send a Christmas gift uh, to Matego since we hadn't inaugurated the relationship. Uh, What we really wanted to be sure of is that we we set a relational foundation before we make financial contributions. So it's really clear that we we love them for them and we want them to love us for us and that finances will be a part of it, but that's not how we conceive of it. Um, And yet we decided, you know what, let's send something in February, just so they know that we love them, we're thinking about them, and, and we're coming in April. So we sent $2,000. What Bob and I learned in that uh, conversation with Bishop Basiel and Pastor Morard as we sat down for tea, was uh, that they had already spent the money, all of it. 500 of it purchased solar panels for their uh, church building roof to power inside the church building as well as to pow- power the pastor's house, which is behind it. And then 1,500 of it, and this is, this is the cool thing, 1,500 of it, went to buy the materials they needed for their church foundation. So, Bob and I, the only reason Bob and I were able to participate with them in laying the foundation of their new church building was because in February we sent them $2,000. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. And that's the way it is there. They are ready for the development. They just have the lack of resources. As soon as they have it, they're literally willing to get together on a Saturday and build their church. Um, It's remarkable, but um, the the growth of their church, the development of it will only happen as quickly as they receive resources to do so. So it could take 10 years, it could take one year. It just depends. Um, But that's that's how things work there. Bob and I got to participate in in the laying of the bricks and of the hoeing, and we found out that that it was difficult work. Pastor Murard and and Bishop Asiel got in there, uh, just like we did, which I was very grateful for. In Rwanda, there's a lot of honor given to uh, those who are leaders in the church. Um, Bishop Asiel is seen on par with um, the governors of the provinces. That's kind of his level of of honor uh, among all people. And so to see him with a hoe and rain boots uh, Diggin was, was just like, this is, a, this is a humble man of God. We love Bishop Ossia. We thank God for him. Um, I want to just give you a, a, a picture, a video actually, of, of what it looked like for Bob to hoe. Uh, go ahead. Hey! Hey! <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. There's about a uh, 150 people around uh, just laughing. Um, <laughs> And laughing because I think it was maybe the first time they had seen a, a white person do some hoeing, a mzungu as they would see, but also Bob was bad at it. And um, so uh, I sh- showed the video of him, but, but not of me. And that was intentional. Uh, I was just as bad, if not worse. Um, go ahead and, and, and do the next slide there, Jonathan. Um, after, after doing uh, several hours of work, them doing several hours of work, we got to just kind of participate here and there and meet people and do some talking with them. Um, the bishop and Pastor Morar took us to the pastor's house. Uh, we, we had tea, but eventually we came back out to uh, the front of the church, and he had all the people sit down, um, and I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of like Sermon on the Mount kind of thing, sitting on the hill, and the bishop there, Pastor Morar, myself, and Father Bob were doing a little bit of teaching. Uh, before Bob and I got to share with them and just encourage them, the, the, the bishop started to talk to them, and he's speaking in Kenya, Rwanda, which is their native tongue, and in rural areas especially, few people know English, and so this is, of course, what's going to happen, and Bob and I had an interpreter telling us what Asiel was saying, and what we learned was Bishop Asiel was asking them, you know, do you all know the meaning of the word metego? Uh, do you know why this is called Mitego parish? And it was kind of hushed, but it came out eventually, just shyly, that um, the word matego means something like a physical disability. A physical disability. How would you like our church to be named Physical Disability Anglican Church? <laughs> Interesting, right? So Bishop Ossiel is talking to them about that, and, and evidently, as it, as it was more than two decades ago, this, this place, this hilltop with the building, got the name matego because there was a man whose legs were paralyzed. They didn't work properly. And yet he would, he would come here. He would drag himself to this hill, in order to pray on a regular basis. And it became a landmark. Um, and so they called it Matego. Matego Chapel, and now it's Matego Parish. And so, in the midst of this conversation, Bishop Ossigale says, now that you're building a new building, maybe once it's completed, we rename the parish to something more positive. And there was, you know, some stirring, and Bob just leaned over to me. He's like, I need to say something. And so uh, he, he went forward, and Uh, the the bishop would translate for him. And what Bob proceeded to do, and he would do a better job sharing this than I will, but I'm not going to make him come up here. Um, Bob talked to them about the story from 2 Samuel about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was one of Saul's children. He was the heir uh, heir to the throne, and yet God passed over Saul's family and uh, anointed King David as king. And so Mephibosheth feared for his life, but one thing you need to know about Mephibosheth is that he was paralyzed. His legs didn't work. And so he was, he was afraid for his life, and he fled to the wilderness where he lived in poverty and uh, lived the life without dignity as somebody um, whose legs couldn't even work. But David, being a man of God, brought Mephibosheth. He went, sent for him, brought him from the wilderness to the palace where he housed him and always invited Mephibosheth to the king's table. And so Bob suggested that if they were going to rename the parish, that they should rename it the King's Table in Kenya Rwanda, which we said over and over, over and over again for the next four days, just trying to figure out how to pronounce this thing. Amesa a amesa yimwami, the King's Table. Um, what I think is going to happen is that after after Bob shared, Bishop Basiel came forward and said, "We are not changing the name, but instead this place will be a place that proclaims that even those with physical disabilities." Even the vulnerable, the forgotten, the, 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 those in the wilderness are always invited to the king's table. And so um, Bob, the Lord used Bob to um, create, I think, not just a, a, a sense of belonging in that parish, but also a, a culture uh, of welcome to the outcast. And we embrace that our God is the God of the vulnerable and the widows and the orphans and the paralyzed and all are invited to the king's table. Amen? Amen? And So Bob and I, and maybe it'll stick, we'll just keep referring to Matego as Amazayim Huami, the king's table. After um, that really poignant moment, um, we, we uh, ended up uh, going out around Kigemi Diocese and visiting a number of different works around the diocese, and so we ended, we ended Saturday uh, with that scene about Mephibosheth. So you can go to the next slide there, uh, Jonathan. Um, on Sunday morning, we arrived at Matego Parish for services of worship. They had two services that day because they couldn't fit 1,000 people into that building. And and so we had one worship service that was for the people that lived closest to Matego Chapel, which is the the building that you're seeing there, and then another service for the people that lived uh, further away but are still a part of the parish. They just kind of have their own smaller buildings called chapels that they gather in on Sundays and other days of the week. So two worship services. Both were just a real joy to participate in. Both were about two and a half hours, and so I thought we might um, implement that here next week. Uh, you'll, You'll see... Um, As you might guess, there was much singing and dancing and um, just a lot of joy. People from all ages packed into that building. And the children at one point came forward and they they did a dance and a song. The youth came forward and did a dance and a song. And so I want to just give you really short clips of those two things. So go ahead and do the first one there, Jonathan. And then the next one. I like it away, you handle my situation, I like it away, you fight it for me, I like it away, you handle my situation, I like it away, you fight it for me. It was such a joy. Um those kids were so into it and they were speaking singing in Kenya, Rwanda. And what they were saying was, welcome to Matego. Uh, Just super sweet. And the youth came forward and did their dance. And they were actually singing English. I don't know if you could hear it, but what they were saying was, I like the way you hand all my sins away from me. I like the way that you fight for me. Singing, of course, uh, to the Lord. And that was really special. Next slide, Jonathan. During each of the services, I was privileged to be able to preach a sermon to the people. And uh, the bishop was translating. You you can see Bishop Osiel there doing so. And what I wanted to do was just share from them from the letter of of Philippians in chapter one, where Paul talks about a partnership with that church there. And I want to just set the stage for what this new partnership is and and, and what it might be, and and five main things that I think should characterize it um, as we we go forward. I'm I'm thankful they were very encouraged by it. Um, The bishop was was, um, super pleased, and I'm just grateful that God was able to bless them through it. And what I thought I might do here is to give you a very abbreviated version of that sermon just kind of within the middle of my storytelling, because what we have to do as a congregation is to reevaluate and to reaffirm what is this partnership going to be. Uh, we're tied to Rwanda. This is something new that's happening. Uh, so far, just a few of us have been here, and yet how do we as a parish enter into it, and what do we want it to be like, and could it be something new and better? Um, what might it be? So let me share with you what I share with them. On the walls of our fellowship hall. Here at Living Faith, as you know, there are all sorts of photos of Rwanda. Visual reminders of that connection. We need that visual. There's also a map of Rwanda, um, and pretty soon I'll place a kind of pin on that photo so you can know where Mateo is exactly. Um, there's a photo of Bishop Basiel, and there's a photo of Pastor Daniel, who was the pastor of Taba Parish. Now, I've taken a photo of Pastor Murard, and we'll get that printed and put in there, and so Pastor Murard will be in there, as well as an updated with, picture with Bishop Basiel. In Rwanda, they often don't smile for photos. And so we said, Bishop, you must smile. Um, you, look, you look angry. Please smile. So we got, we got a, a, very, uh, a very good, candid photo of Bishop Basiel to replace uh, the one that's in there. Now, um, there's also another thing on the wall of our fellowship hall, and uh, it's a yoke. It's a yoke. And I, I, I said to the people, do you all know what a yoke is? And I got next to Bishop Basiel and I put my arm around him. And I said, a yoke is something that you use to, to, to get two cows, two ingha, to go in the same direction. And so I put my arm around Bishop and said, two ingha. And uh, I think that was the first time that they heard their bishop called a cow. And um, <laughs> they, they enjoyed that very much, as did I. And there's a photo of, of him, Bishop Basiel, translating and saying, two ingha, two cows, uh, with my arm around him. Written on the yoke in our fellowship hall are Jesus' words from Matthew 11, in which he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, if you, if you picture this as, okay, Jesus, we're going to take the yoke off of you, we're going to put it on me, that's not the image. We're, we're taking Jesus' yoke, the one he's wearing, and we're getting next to him. We're sharing the yoke, so that the, the direction that Jesus is walking and the pace and the way, we learn because we're yoked to him. And that's a partnership, Right? Partnership is being a disciple, being an apprentice. That's what we're called to as Christians. When we become yoked to Jesus, we also become yoked to all those that Jesus is yoked to, namely our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's in light of this fact that, that Living Faith and, and, uh, and, and Matego Parish and Kikimi Diocese are choosing to be yoked to one another because it's a small expression of the reality that we are yoked to the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ. This is the communion of saints, and we're, we want to be partners with them in a tangible way. Um, as we begin this new yoked partnership, I think it's important for us to ask the question, what do we want it to look like? It doesn't have to look the same as it's looked the last 16 years. Something new. There's something new happening here, so we need a new wineskin, perhaps. Perhaps. I want to suggest there are five main things that should be a part of our relationship. And this is not to say that these five things weren't present in our former relationship. Nothing disparaging about what's happened in the last 16 years at all. Simply, what are we talking about in the future? Five things. Number one, in our partnership, we should know one another. We actually need to know one another. Right? It's hard to be a part of something if you don't know what it is and who the people are. A partnership's not a business transaction. It's not just a sending of something and then receiving something in return, and it's not personalized. Instead, it's a relationship, and so we want to know them. We want them to know us. We brought with us a suitcase full of gifts, which the Matego team put together, and it included a a, a photo album with photos of our church and the people in our church, um, a large framed photo of our congregation here in the sanctuary, as well as some other tokens of of things from Arizona. Um, I've brought home with me some photos of them that you're seeing now, as well as stories, some of them you're hearing today, as well as some items that you can find in the fellowship hall, uh, which are, are, are being sold and will raise money for Matego Parish. This idea of knowing one another is really important. We wanna cultivate that as, as much as possible, but it's also why visiting is so important. We can't know them unless we visit them. And to some extent, they can't know us unless they visit us. And so we are committed to visiting them often, and I'm happy to say that Bob and I were able to sit down with Bishop Bastiel and, and say we really want to, as, as they are able, and if they are ever able, we don't know. This is a hard thing. Most people in Matego Parish, perhaps all of them, have never even left the country. So uh, what we talked to Bishop Bastiel about was, would you might be willing to come visit us next year? And he was very, uh, very happy about that. And I, uh, I think we'll, we'll have a plan, hopefully soon, to do that. He'll be the first delegate from Matego Parish. We hope, God willing. All that to say, we are committed to visiting one another so that the partnership means something relationally. Number two, in our partnership, we need to teach one another. I told the people of Matego Parish, and they probably assumed this, that we have some things that we can teach them. We are oversaturated with biblical resources, ways to to learn the Bible and to understand theology, ways to, 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 to handle life. And yet, I also said to them, did you, did you know that you can teach us things? And they kind of looked at me skeptically. And I said, we want you to teach us about what real forgiveness looks like. If you know anything about the history of Rwanda um, and the, the effect of the gospel in that country, which experienced genocide, 100, or 100 days in which 1 million people were slaughtered. And how do you, how do you have a society after that? Forgiveness is how. And the church brought that message, and the church has grown rapidly. So teach us about forgiveness. Teach us about joy when things don't go your way, and when you don't have enough, and when you're squished into a small building. (laughs) Teach us about joy. You could teach us, and we want them to teach us so that we might learn. In our partnership, we, we should pray for one another. Number three, pray for one another. And we do that on Sunday mornings. We're going to pray for them every time we worship. And I told them that. We're going to pray that God will provide for their needs and give them success in whatever they endeavor to do, that God will protect them from the powers of evil, that God will help them to love one another, that God will help them to share Christ with their region. And I said, please pray also for us. Pray that God will make our faith strong, that God will protect us, that God will keep us from the love of the world, that will keep us from the love of money, that God will help us to love one another, God will help us to be good missionaries in our community. We, we, we think of Africa probably, and you say, well, maybe they, they might need more um, evangelization than even the United States does. That may be true in certain parts of Africa. In, in Rwanda, I'm not sure that's the case. They might need just as much as we do here. We need to be on mission. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, we handed out a, a card to them, all the people in the parish uh, that we encountered, a prayer card that on the, on the front of it, there were photos of, of, of Mitego Parish. And it said, Mitego Parish, we are praying for you. And on the backside, there were photos of our church, Living Faith. And it said, Living Faith, please pray for us. And we wanted to give each person something they could take home as a reminder. Please don't just pray for us on Sundays. Pray also for us daily. Whenever you engage with prayer for intercession, include the people of Matego Parish. Number four, in our partnership, we should share our resources with one another. Partnership always means giving and receiving. And that might, be, that might be love, it might be energy, it might be resources, it might be the teaching that we share, but it certainly includes a financial resources. And the Bible teaches us that when those who have much don't share with those who have less, we are not obedient to Christ. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. It certainly includes financial resources. A biblical principle from the beginning to the end of the Bible is God blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others. That is the nature of what it means to follow God because God blesses us and we don't deserve it. And we don't deserve it. And so we, I told them we are committed to sharing whatever resources with them we can muster so that they who have less than we do substantially less than we do might experience some of the abundance that is present in the church. Number five, in our partnership, we should encourage one another on mission. Encourage one another on mission. And I told them, did you know that Pastor Mirard is not the only one in Matego who's supposed to preach about Jesus? If any of you go by his name, Jesus, you also are a witness. You also are a witness. You also are a witness. All of you are ambassadors. And we need to be able to encourage the people of Matego Parish to, to enter into that vocation of mission right where they are. And we need them to encourage us to do the same. Rwanda, the church is growing. 11 million people in the country. The great majority of them are, are believers. It's powerful. Now, Islam is on the move there. We got to see signs of that. Gosh, there are massive mosques that was built just in the last four years. Um, lots of people walking the streets wearing Muslim attire. So Islam is on the move there, often using um, financial resources as, as bait for conversion. Um, There's also a good deal of just uh, spiritual darkness with witchcraft and um, animism and those kinds of things remain. So how do we encourage them to be faithful and to to reach out to their Muslim and animist neighbors? And how can they encourage us to reach out to those who do not know Christ here, those who know that they don't know Christ and those who don't know that they don't know Christ? We've got to be on mission I believe these are five things that need to characterize our partnership going forward. Uh, But I want to say this, exactly how we do this, exactly how we do these five things with them, that remains to be seen. In other words, what I'd like to see is our congregation come together and do a little bit of dreaming. Get creative. Reimagine how we might enter into these things in a new way. How can we make this partnership more tangible to those of you who haven't had the chance to visit Rwanda? And that's most of you. Most of you will never go. Will it ever be real to you? How can we make it real? How can we connect our kids and our teens to it? How can we leverage in good ways the technology that's available to us that lets us chat and video chat with people who live in Africa? How, do we, how, do we, how can we use that? How can we use this partnership with, with Matego Parish here in our community as a way of talking about Jesus to your neighbor? Oh, can I tell you about Rwanda and what we're doing there? And all of a sudden, you've got an inroad to talk about Jesus. How can we use this for God's glory here in ways that maybe we haven't conceived of yet? These are the kinds of questions I'd like us to be asking. These are the kinds of questions I want our Matego team to be asking. If you have ideas that come to you today or in the next month or in the next year, share them with us. This has to be a congregational initiative. It's not just mine or the Matego's team. It's part of our identity. So please enter in as much as you're able. How can we um, know one another, teach one another, pray for one another, share our resources with one another, and encourage one another on mission? Additionally, if you would like to be a part of the Matego team, please reach out to, to Le- uh, Tina Larson. Glad to talk with you about what it looks like to, to join this ministry team and, and to, to push it forward. Go ahead and put up the next slide there, Jonathan. Continuing on with the story, after our two worship services, we, we went to, with, uh, to the pastor's house for lunch and we went with ministry leaders and, and their families there in, in the parish. And we filled up that front room, as you can, you'll can you see in just a moment, uh, with the leaders and, and, and members of their family. And I want you to just know just how incredible Rwandan hospitality is. Um, we had a great conference here this last weekend uh, called the Next Steps Conference. It's uh, uh, for our whole Arizona Anglican deanery. And it was on the topic of hospitality as as a way of mission. And one of the things that kept coming up is, What hospitality really boils down to is that you are showing someone that they are important to you. Now we tend to think of that as all right, let's let's, you know, bust out the good food, let's make sure the house is clean, let's make sure yada yada these tasks. But the way that you show someone is important to you is by your relational connection with them. It's by the eye contact that you make. It's by the conversations that you've been prepared to have. It's by the love that you demonstrate to them. It's by the the way they leave feeling cared for and welcomed regardless of what the bathroom looked like. Um, they do that for us. They do that for us in addition to giving us their best food. And I don't, I don't know if they, you know, go hungry for a few days when we're not there after we leave. I don't know. But I know they give us the best of what they have, relationally <laughs> and in terms of the food that's on the table. And it's just so humbling, and I'm so grateful for the way that they can teach us about genuine hospitality. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, uh, Jonathan. The last day we spent in in Matego was Monday, and Pastor Merard had arranged for Bob and I to do some teaching with the Mother's Union, with the Father's Union, and with the Youth Union. And so once again, we drove up to Matejka and were greeted very well, and I wanted to show you a video of that. Go ahead, Jonathan. This went on for a long time, and there, there was a moment when I stopped taking the video that I got in with it, and I got tired very quickly. <laughs> they, their stamina is amazing, and I will say the altitude here—that's my excuse. It's the altitude. Um, the altitude is like 6,200, so um, you know Bob and I just aren't used to that, right, Bob? Right, Bob? Yeah. Anyway, um, after the service today, we're going to teach you how to welcome people like Rwandans uh, in song and dance. So please stick around. Uh, That is a joke. I know that none of you would probably show up. um, uh, But Bob said he might do that. So uh, thanks, Bob. We appreciate your your help there. Um, Bob and I got to spend about three hours with the mothers and fathers and uh, the youth there. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, Jonathan. And uh, with the mothers and fathers, we really talked to them about parenting. And we wanted to really highlight what it looks like to parent our kids with the love of God. In other words, parenting our children the way that God parents us, which is really not in a demanding, authoritarian sort of way, is it? What is with service and love and compassion? And what does it look like to treat your children not like little servants or little possessions that belong to you until they leave the house, but as those given to your care that belong to Jesus, that you're called to serve and raise up with, a, with an example of what it looks like to be a servant-hearted father and mother. With the youth, we, we got to talk about the emptiness of the world. The emptiness of the world, whether it's in their culture or ours. And there's a lot of that in ours. And the joy to be found in Christ. And these were really, really special moments. Uh, we connected well with them. We had some good time of questions and answers. Um, on future trips, Bishop, uh, Bob and I talked to Bishop Ossiel, and we said, we've got to do more of this. You've got to do more small groups, teaching questions and answers. Um, that was some of the most fruitful time that we had. And so on future trips, we want to spend uh, more time doing things like Bible studies with them, maybe doing some English classes. There's lots of opportunities uh, that we could enter into in a way that we couldn't with Taba uh, because of proximity, as I'll talk about in just a moment. After our time of teaching, we went for one final lunch and also for gift giving. That's a, such a huge part uh, of their culture. Um, they presented me and Bob with um, shirts to wear, which I am wearing. It is hidden by, uh, but this is straight from the people of Matego. And, um, and also with some coffee and tea for our wives. Um, they also presented me with a photo of their church, uh, which I'm sad to say got broken in transit, the frame and glass. And so I'm getting it you know, reframed. And so I'll have that for the fellowship hall later on. In terms of what we gave to them, we brought a suitcase full of gifts and we gave to a lot of different people um, and so I won't tell you all of what we gave, but let me just give you a couple of, like a, a few snapshots here. We gave Pastor Mirard and Justin, who's the senior catechist for Morambi Subparish, which is part of Matego Parish for the time, but it's basically going to be a church plan eventually. Um, we gave them crosses from Arizona, which were made out of copper. And we wanted them to think of Arizona and when they think of Jesus. Uh, we gave Florida, who's Pastor Mirard's wife, there's a photo of um, him putting it on her, uh, a, a necklace with a turquoise gem from Arizona, again, there it is, um, as a sign of of our love for them. We gave Bishop Asiel a cross made out of crystal, which is a lovely piece uh, for his office, and we gave his wife Valerie um, a saguaro necklace out of silver, and um, she was glowing, and I think she'll wear that often. So we were so grateful to be able to to exchange those gifts, and I I won't tell you about the gifts that they gave to Bob um, at the bishop's house, but you can ask him about that, please do. this marked the end of our time in Matego, and as we were leaving, I, I asked them, would you please, uh, can I please take a video of this experience? Because um, I wanted to be able to share it with you. And so, Jonathan, go ahead and put up the next slide there. Oh, wow. These are the leaders of the parish, and uh, I, could, I could introduce you to them, but I won't do that right now. But essentially, um, this exchange, <laughs> happened about five times, and this was the last one. It was hard hard to say goodbye um, for all of us. Um, And I just wanted to capture it for you. Just so much love and and joy, um, even in the parting. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, uh, Jonathan. To bring things to a close today, I just want to give you a few important final things to think about. Um, First of all, for those of us who have been able to visit Matego already, whether it's me and Bob on this trip or those who went in August before we knew it was... Uh, going to be our sister parish, um, all of us, without exception, felt a very special connection to this place and to these people. Unique. Um, they have a genuine joy and eagerness for us to be there in just a more intense way. Um, it's a real joy for me to be a part of something from the beginning. I mean, I love Taba, and I loved that about living faith when I became the pastor here in 2017, but it was started 11 years before I got here. I'm excited to be here from the beginning for this new thing. That's a special thing for me. Um, Matego 's proximity to the diocese and headquarters is also extremely helpful. It's a game changer. It is only 20 minutes from the diocese headquarters, as opposed to three hours on dirt roads that it was to get to Taba. We just and, and they don't have any place for us to stay in Taba, and so um, when we do stay there, when we have stayed there in the past, it's been a tremendous burden to them. So we stay at the diocesan headquarters. Um, but traveling three hours each way on dirt roads in rainy season, is not, it's not going to happen. And so being uh, closer to Matego actually means that we can go and spend many, many days in Matego Parish as opposed to just a few days. That is a huge deal. Um, there's also, throughout the country, you see mostly eucalyptus trees, but on the drive up to Matego Parish, there's this huge stand of pine trees. And it's gorgeous. And all of us, it made all of us think of northern Arizona and Flagstaff, et cetera, et cetera. And these are just like, God, thank you for these little things that we hold on to that make us um, have, have the belief that you really are behind this. Your providence is shown in these little things. Um, secondly, as you'll see on the handout, whether you've got one here or pick one up as you leave, um, the needs in Matego Parish are great. They have very little infrastructure, very little assets. Um, most of the people have very little ability to generate an income for themselves. They are subsistence farmers, and many of them do that without land. How do you do that? How do you do that? They have many widows and orphans in that church. They are impacted by the genocide in, a, in an extreme way. Um, in the satellite photo, um, on the handout, you'll see GPS coordinates. Uh, you can look it up on Google Earth if you want to. Um, but there's a, a settlement of uh, refuge, uh, I'm sorry, uh, genocide survivors that is adjacent to the church building. The closest people that lived in Matego Parish are genocide survivors. Wow. They were settled by the government there because they lost everything. It's powerful. Um, these are part of the reason why we were partnered with Matego um, by Bishop Asiel. And these big needs simply mean that if we'll allow God to use us in whatever way we believe we're called to, we can have an equally big impact. It's super special. And thirdly, let me encourage you to stop by the Fellowship Hall before you leave. Greet the Matego team. See the items that are available. 100% of the proceeds for those things that we brought back with us. Um, we'll go to Matego Parish. Um, additionally, today, if you would like to support Matego Parish with a love gift during the offering, you can do that if you do it above your, your normal ties and offerings. In our annual budget here at the church, we set aside $12,000 for Matego Parish and for our ministry there. And then we ask you, as you feel led, to contribute more, um, which we send right away. So if you'd like to do that today, just specify Matego Parish in your giving, and we'll make sure that gets there. The last thing I'll say to you is the last thing I said to them. Our, our gospel lesson on that Sunday that I preached there was John 15. We're going to have that next week, actually. In this passage, Jesus is talking about abiding in him. And he gives the image of, of the vine and the branches. He says, that, and he says that, that something really important he emphasizes in that passage twice. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. My, my, my final word of encouragement to us is let us not think that we can have an impact in Rwanda on our own. But rather, let us think about how Christ might use us. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Let us be branches who are grafted into the vine, just as the people of Mateko Parish are grafted in. And if we do that, then we really do have a center for our partnership, because the center is Jesus Christ. There's no other reason for us to be partnered with them except him. And if apart from Him we can do nothing, let us make sure that He is always at the center. Amen? Amen. Amen.